0: Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and
1: grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off and I just like knew God is here with us. AND NOW, HERE'S ANDREW. WELCOME TO OUR FRIDAY'S BROADCAST OF THE GOSPEL TRUTH. TODAY I'M CONTINUING TO TEACH ON A BETTER WAY TO PRAY. THIS IS AN AREA THAT JUST REALLY HIGHLIGHTS THE DIFFERENCES BETWEEN THE OLD COVENANT AND IN THE NEW COVENANT. IN THE OLD COVENANT, PEOPLE BEGGED AND pled WITH GOD FOR HIS MERCY AND NOT TO POUR OUT HIS WRATH. And sadly, a lot of New Testament Christians are doing the exact same thing today, not understanding that Jesus has reconciled us unto God, 2 Corinthians 5.19. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He became sin for us and made us the righteousness of God. And now nothing but goodness and, and grace from God is towards us. And yet the average Christian today is still... Uh, having the mindset of the Old Testament God. Now, God himself has never changed. He is the Lord. He changes not. But his dealings with mankind have changed because of Jesus. Jesus is the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And today, we don't offer blood of bulls and of goats and of lambs and things like that because Jesus is the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. You don't see Christians going out and offering blood sacrifices, but in many ways, they still are trying to obtain a relationship with God through what they do. And they don't understand that Jesus has already purchased it. We don't have to do something to gain God's favor. And I've been focusing primarily. On intercession, the way it was done in the Old Testament and showing you that it is not done that way in the New Testament, if you pray the way Abraham did, the way that Moses did, the way that uh, David did, interceding and begging for his mercy and begging him to pour out his power and begging for these things, then you are like an Old Testament person. You are denying that Jesus has come and done this. You know, I'm going to say some things today that I guarantee you will get... Uh, Uh, the ire of many people riled up, but it's the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you will receive it, this could really, really help you. But did you know that there are intercessors today who are believing that God is wrathful and that we've got to intercede and beg God for His mercy. And right here in Colorado Springs, there are people that I know that I've been associated with that they teach on intercession and pleading and begging, and they believe that unless we get thousands, hundreds of thousands of people to pray and intercede and turn God from His wrath, that America is doomed. They believe, you know, there's this deal about the 1040 window, talking about between 10 and 40 degrees um, latitude or longitude. I'm Sorry, I don't know the difference between the two. But anyway, that 1040 window, that's where most of the Muslim world is. And this is where there are demonic strongholds. And there's a man here in Colorado Springs who actually uh, took people. I don't know how many, but there was tens of thousands of people that gathered in Ephesus. And what they did was they went over there to pray and to break the influence of goddess the goddess of Diana of the Ephesians. And they believe that this was the demonic stronghold that caused so much paganism. So all of the Islam and the radical stuff, and they've been praying and interceding. There's a bunch of things I'm going to say about this. But first of all, let me just say, how has that worked out? They claim that they are making all of this difference. Has Islam and the radical Islam and the terrorist and all of this stuff have things improved with all of their intercession? No. Matter of fact, all of this was done prior to 9-11. And since 9-11, we've seen the rise of radical Islam. We've seen terrorists, we've seen people bombed and killed, and people beheaded all around the world, even children. I'm telling you, that form of intercession is useless. It is not working. And let me just say that they say that there is this spirit goddess of Diana of the Ephesians. Let me ask you, how did Paul deal with that? What is the New Testament way to deal with this? Well, you can read about this in the book of Acts. And just for time's sake, I'm not going to turn over and read every one of these things. But let me just summarize some things. That in the book of Acts, when Paul went to Ephesians, people were worshiping Diana of the Ephesians. And what did Paul do? There is not one example, zilch, not a zero, none example of Paul getting intercessors together to pray and to break the demonic powers that were over Ephesus. He never did it. There is no example of Peter getting intercessors to pray and to do things. Now, there are examples of Peter when he was in P- a prison, people gathering together and pray. I'm not saying that we don't pray. I'm gonna My next lesson, next week, is going to be talking about, after I've pulled the rug out from under people with all of these unscriptural ways of praying, I'm going to talk about what is the proper way of praying. And so please stick with me and come back and listen. But Paul never organized all of these intercessors. You know, I have people come to me all the time and say, Who are your intercessors? I don't have any intercessors. Now, I've got people that pray for me and intercede, and hopefully they're doing it according to the New Testament model, but I don't pay people to intercede for me. I know that there's a lot of ministries that they feel like this is one of the greatest things that they do is to pay intercessors. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for me, and I'm in agreement with him. And there's other people that live me up, and I'm receiving that, but I do not have to have paid intercessors. Paul did not raise up intercessors. He didn't get the body together and pray, and let's break the spirit of Diana of the Ephesians. And yet, he was so effective that the people who were making money off of all of these little images of Diana and selling these things, they said, we're going to be totally put out of business if we don't do something. But Paul basically stamped out the effect of Diana and Diana of the Ephesians. Most people wouldn't have even heard of that demonic entity unless they read it in the book of Acts. But the New Testament intercessors in the 20th century and into the 21st century, they resurrected Diana of the Ephesians. They made her the demonic power that is affecting this 1040 window, and they went over there and got tens of thousands of people to intercede and to break the power of Diana of the Ephesians. That's not the way that Paul did it. You know how Paul did it? He preached the gospel. It's the truth that sets people free. And I know I'm going to really upset some people here, but it is not prayer that sets people free. It's the truth that sets people free. You can't find a scripture that talks about that prayer sets people free. Now, I believe that there is a place for prayer, and I'm going to be talking about this more next week. But prayer is primarily for your personal relationship with God, but there is times for you to intercede for other people. But the way you do it, is not to sit there and go over and bind Diane of the Ephesians and ask God to pour out His Spirit and get 24-hour prayer and get 100,000 people praying. This same group of people, they would send people to these foreign lands, and they specifically told them, because I've known people who've done this, and they told me that their instructions were, do not preach the gospel. Do not witness to a single person. You just do prayer walks. And you walk by these temples and by these idols and you just pray in yourself and they believe that this is going to break these demonic powers. It hasn't worked. It hasn't changed anything. Things have gotten worse. That's not the way you do it. That's not the way that Paul did it. The way you do it is to preach the gospel. It's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. It's the truth that sets people free. John chapter 8 verse 32. You've got to preach the truth. And, to send, you know, people are spending millions of dollars. If you were to add all of this up corporately, there are millions of dollars going into people going into these places just to sit there and pray. Man, give me millions of dollars and give me a television or a radio or a CD or something where I could preach the gospel or hold some meeting where we could get the truth to those people, and I would do more to change that area than all of your prayer and intercession. And I just can't believe I said that because I know I'm going to get a huge backlash and criticism about this. I am for prayer, and there is a place to stand your ground and and break these demonic powers, but it's not the way that intercessors are doing it. You will hear them give examples, and they'll talk. I've heard this before about um, San Francisco. That the reason San Francisco is such a hotbed for the homosexual movement is because there's demonic powers over that place. And so what you've got to do is bind these demonic powers and, uh, so that your prayers can get up to God. That is so silly. That is so silly. I know some I can't believe you're saying that. You know, it's not like you need your prayers to get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. God lives on the inside of you. This is why you bow your head when you pray, so you can look at God and say, Father, (laughs) amen. I'm telling you, this whole thing of getting your prayers past the demonic powers, you've got to get a hole in the heavens so that your prayers can get up to God. That defies the New Testament realities of Christ in us, that He lives in us. That's just wrong. You don't have to do that. I believe that there are demonic powers over every place. I believe that um, San Francisco has a lot of demonic powers, and I believe many of them are associated with homosexuality. I believe homosexuality is demonic, and I believe that there is a lot of homosexual demonic activity in San Francisco. But it's not the demons that drew all of this or caused people to become Homosexuals and a and a high percentage of it in San Francisco. You know what it is? It's the fact that there were people back decades ago who were. Um, homosexuals are pro-homosexual, and they started passing laws. They started giving benefit to the spouses of homosexuals, and they started making it homosexual friendly. And the homosexuals that were all over the nation were drawn to San Francisco because of the pro-homosexual bent there, and they drew these demons with them. So the way to stop this isn't to go up there and bind the demons, and you wouldn't dare say anything to anybody. You won't tell the people the truth about homosexuality because it's politically incorrect, and you will get hate mail, as I do, and you wouldn't dare say the truth, but what you'll do, you'll get out and walk in the neighborhood and just pray under your breath and believe that you're binding the demonic powers. It's not the demonic powers who are making all of this happen. The devil is involved. He's deceived people, but they are welcoming these demonic spirits. And as long as they are encouraging and embracing these wrong attitudes and these untruths and these lies and deceptions, those demonic powers are going to stay there because the people are empowering these demonic things. So what do you do? Do you bind the demonic powers? No, what you do is go in and preach the truth. And it's not totally a one or the other thing. I believe you go in and speak the truth, but at the same time, you pray and intercede. Father, I believe that this word is powerful. I believe it's driving off these demonic powers and stuff. But you preach the word, and it's the truth that sets people free. That's the way that the Apostle Paul dealt with all the paganism and the stuff that he encountered. He, he There is not one single example of him getting the believers together to pray and to bind something and to do something. No, he just took his authority and he went in and preached the gospel and performed miracles and stood boldly and spoke to the Roman people that were in authority over him. And Paul shook the world. He turned the world right side up, not through intercession. Now, again, I'm not saying he didn't pray. And I'm not saying he never took his authority and that he never spoke against demons. But he did not beg God to pour out his spirit and then just passively sit by and not do anything. I tell you, Satan loves that. I believe Satan would love to get you in your prayer closet to where you spend hours a day begging God to do what he's already done. Satan loves that because it gets you off the street. I know people that they pray for their neighbors, they cry and plead for them to be saved, but you couldn't get them to go over and talk to them about the Lord because somebody might take offense. They might get persecuted, they might get rejected, and so they'll just spend hours praying and begging God to do something that you could do much more effectively if you just go over and sow the seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, "...being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever." The word seed there is spora. That is a derivative of the Greek word sperma, which is talking about sperm, in the same way that a baby, you don't get pregnant by praying, Now, if you've got sickness or something, you can pray and receive your healing, but you have to plant a seed. There has to be a sperm that impregnates a woman. I'm not going to totally teach on this. I'm going to take for granted that most people understand this, but hopefully you understand that even though you could pray and you could be healed, you can't get pregnant through prayer. You could get healed through prayer, I pray for lots of people that, you know, have not been able to have children. And I've literally got dozens or hundreds of people uh, that have had children after I've prayed with them. But I'm not asking God and just begging God to please help these people become pregnant. I take my authority. I speak what the Word says, Deuteronomy chapter 7, that there's not one single barren among you or any that cast your young. I speak the blessing, and I reverse the curse. But then after I get through praying with these people, I always tell the couples, I said, hey, I believe God has solved whatever problem there is that keeps you from getting pregnant but this isn't going to be a virgin birth. You have a part to play. Now you go do your part. You act in faith, (laughs) amen. And you know what? If a person just came to me and we prayed and begged God, but then you don't sow the seed, you aren't going to get pregnant. Likewise, for you to pray for God to save a person, but you wouldn't speak to them, You aren't going to share the Word of God. You are defying what it says in 1 Peter 1, 23, that we are born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. People aren't going to get saved through prayer. Now, prayer can be a part. Again, you praise God. You praise God that He loves them. You know, here, let me just tell you how I pray for a lost person. After I've taught on some of these, people have come to me and said, so how do you pray? I don't know how to pray anymore. I had one woman come to me and she says, I've been praying for my husband for 20 years and God hadn't answered my prayers. Maybe he'll answer yours. Would you pray for my husband? And I said, no, I won't pray for your husband, not the way you're praying. And it offended her at first. She says, what do you mean? I said, you are thinking that it's up to God whether your husband gets saved. And she said, well, yeah. And I said, it's not. He's already died for your husband's sins. He's already made the atonement. He is out trying to get the gospel to him. I said, it's not up to God whether your husband gets saved. Your husband is the one that's been rejected. Maybe he's ignorant. Maybe this woman was just praying for him and not sharing the truth. Maybe she was a bad example. Maybe he thought, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. I don't know all the reasons that her husband was the way he was, but I said, your whole approach is God hasn't answered my prayer. If God wanted to, he'd just saved my husband. No, the Lord has done everything to save your husband or whoever it is that you're praying for that he can and will do. It's not up to God whether people get saved. So how do you pray for people's salvation? Here's the way that I pray. I start by just saying, Father, thank you that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. So, Father, thank you that Jesus is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Thank you, Father, that you've already made the payment. It's done. It's not you that we're waiting on. But now this person, and if I'm praying for a person, I'll put their name in there. This person, for whatever reason, has not received what you've already done. So then I go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, which says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them and they should believe and be converted. And so I say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, your blindness, whatever it is that you're doing to stop this person from receiving the gospel, I break your dominion. I enforce what Jesus has done. You are a defeated foe. And in the name of Jesus, I command this blindness to be gone now in the name of Jesus. And then I'll pray Matthew nine thirty-eight. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And so I'll say, Father, I release laborers right now. If this person is in a bar, if this person is, you know, at work somewhere doing whatever, I believe that spirit-filled believers, people that know the Word of God and that can preach the true gospel are coming across their path right now. And then I'll also pray John chapter 14, verse 26 that says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will teach you all things, lead you into all truth, and bring all things to your remembrance. And I'll say, Holy Spirit, I believe that you are bringing back to their remembrance truths that you've shared with them. You know, many of the people you're praying for, they were taught in Sunday school, they learned scriptures, or they've heard somebody on television or radio, or something has happened in their life, and they've just walked away from it and forgotten it. But one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring back to our remembrance whatsoever Jesus has spoken to us. So I'll pray and say, Father, bring back to their remembrance scriptures. Show them how you love them. If they have ever had a sensitivity to you, bring them back to that. Remind them. And see, this is the way I pray for them. And then John 20, 23, you can remit people's sins. It doesn't mean that you can forgive their sins. Only God can forgive their sins, which he's already done. But the word remit is dealing with the effects that sin has on them. Hebrews chapter 3 says, sin hardens your heart and blinds you. And so I'll say, Father, they are giving place to the devil They aren't seeking you. They aren't sensitive to you. But I remit their sins and believe that this hardness of heart is broken. And see, all of these things, I'm not pleading with God to to love them. Like this woman I started talking about where God hasn't answered my prayers. God answered your prayers before your husband even existed. He sent his son and died. And the Holy Spirit is out there convicting and drawing all that that will receive him. It is not God who hasn't moved to save people. It's people who've rejected it, and many times there's demonic things involved. Their heart has become hardened, so you rebuke the God of this world. You pray laborers across their path because the seeds got to be sown. If you are available, you become a laborer. I personally would not pray that God sends somebody across a person's path that I'm praying for if I'm not willing to go. I would say, Father, here am I. Give me an opportunity to share the word with this person. But if they're far away or if they won't listen to you, which sometimes that happens and people take an offense, well, then pray labors across their path. Break the deception, the hardness of heart. Remit the sins and the effects that that's caused in their life. And then you just begin to thank God that, Father, thank you. You are dealing with this person. Thank you that you love them more than I do, that you want them saved more than I do. Thank you that it's not just on my shoulders that I've got to get them saved through my intercession. Thank you that Jesus loves them, and I'm just standing here and cooperating with Jesus. And see, this takes the burden and the dread and the sadness out of intercession. You aren't begging and pleading with God and bearing their sins. Jesus has already borne their sins. He's already died for them. All you're doing is standing there and letting this love and compassion and authority of God flow through you.
2: Caris third year is equipping an army to go into the seven mountains of influence and in every society. In our third year school of missions, you will hear firsthand from those serving as missionaries and then turn theory into practice through an extended stay on the mission field. Students will be immersed in another culture and experience missionary life firsthand through a six-week missions experience. If the Great Commission burns in your heart, if you have a spirit of travel and adventure, this third-year school is for you. It is my responsibility, my duty, that Christ has given me to go to the world and to show them the love of God and the love of Christ and what He's done for us. Ignite your vision and take your mountain. For more information on our third year school admissions, go to karisbiblecollege.org slash third year. The friends and partners of Andrew
3: Womack Ministries are helping to equip Karis Bible College students to not only be grounded in the Word, but to also be able to share this message with others. In 2018, a group of second year students traveled to Wyoming Wind River Indian Reservation to put into practice everything they had learned in the classroom.
1: The people are beautiful, they welcomed us with uh, a nice meal when we first arrived and some beautiful dancing in their traditional native costumes and, and just what a beautiful time we had being received.
3: It was a busy week. The team ministered through music and paint therapy at a nursing home, delivered clothes at a community center, and performed several skits, all while preaching sermons at various churches.
0: When we were at
3: the shelter, and myself and another student were handing out clothes, and people were just drawn to us, and we ministered to them. We led people to the Lord, touched their lives, and it was a real blessing. Leading the team was CARES graduate Sarah Lucas, who started Foundations for Nations with her husband Jason. Throughout the week, they led the CARES team to the local schools and a women's rehab, where God's love
2: broke down emotional strongholds. What I've learned about God, He's not just a God of individuals, He's a God of nations. And it's exciting to us because it's harvest time. We're seeing souls come to the Lord and know him in a great way that he loves them, that he has not forgotten and forsaken them, and he's restoring this people group back to their identity and their dignity and honor of these host people of our land. And so it is amazing to be a part of it.
3: To our friends and partners, we say thank you. It is through your support that Karis Bible College continues to raise up leaders who are going out and changing the world with the truth of God's love and grace.
1: Hello, THIS IS ANDREW WOMACK AND I AM REALLY PRIVILEGED TO BE A PART OF GRACE LIFE CONFERENCE AGAIN. THIS IS MY FOURTH YEAR TO BE WITH Creflo DOLLAR AT WORLD CHANGERS CHURCH. IT'S GOING TO BE ON JULY THE 8TH THROUGH THE 12TH. AND I'M GOING TO BE SPEAKING, OF COURSE, Creflo AND TAFFY DOLLAR, GREGORY DICKOW, EARL JOHNSON, AND MICHAEL SMITH. AND THIS HAS JUST BEEN A HIGHLIGHT OF THE YEAR. I TELL YOU, THESE ARE PEOPLE THAT ALL HAVE A REVELATION OF THE GOODNESS OF GOD IN THE TRUE GOSPEL. REMEMBER, IT'S JULY THE 8TH THROUGH THE 12TH, WORLD CHANGERS CHURCH INTERNATIONAL ATLANTA FOR THE GRACE LIFE CONFERENCE. YOU KNOW, THIS TEACHING ON A BETTER WAY TO PRAY IS POWERFUL, AND IT LEADS RIGHT INTO THE BELIEVER'S AUTHORITY. SO WE HAVE PUT THESE TOGETHER IN A PACKAGE, AND YOU CAN GET BOTH OF THESE BOOKS, WHICH REALLY YOU NEED THIS BELIEVER'S AUTHORITY AS THE NEXT STEP, AND YOU CAN GET EITHER THE uh, CD OR DVD ON A BETTER WAY TO PRAY, AND THE SAME THING WITH THE BELIEVER'S AUTHORITY AND EITHER CD OR DVD. If you'll listen to our announcer, he'll give you all of the information, and please call or write today.
0: Andrew's teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available in the Better Way to Pray package, which includes two books, A Better Way to Pray and The Believer's Authority, as well as your choice of either the CD albums or DVD albums from both teachings. This package has a catalog value of $105, but you can get it today for only $75. If you prefer, the Better Way to Pray resources are available individually as either a book, study guide, CD album, or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. This is the last day we'll be offering this teaching, so be sure to respond today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111 to write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today.